much. We've been pointed to uh, the Christmas story wonderfully this morning. You know, Cindy did uh, her illustration, and uh, I, I was. I saw her practicing, and I said, you know, Cindy, I've, I've seen you do several of these illustrations, and uh, I feel like if I've seen a few of them, you know, I've kind of seen all of them uh, in some way that s- somehow you have a little trick, and uh, I may be able to figure it out, or I may not be able to, but at the end, it, it points to Jesus, you know, and she said, I feel the same way about your sermons, but I don't give you a hard time about it. <laughs> That's the way I feel at Christmas. Uh, we have this wonderful story that all of us have heard so many times. And uh, during this series, we're looking at different characters uh, within the Christmas story. And uh, maybe as a way to make it fresh for us, but it's still all very familiar. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And um, we're talking about the shepherds. And, and that's going to be where we're at in the Bible. And, and all, we always say at the beginning of, it, of any sermon, you know, open, open your Bible to this part or this passage. Uh, can you imagine if, if you didn't have a Bible, though? We've been doing this two-year Bible reading plan, and, and it's just such a, a part of our tradition, of our faith tradition in the Baptist church, that, that we, we carry our Bibles around together. We put scriptures on the screen. Uh, we all have the Bible. We know the Bible. I remember as a teenager, uh, I was baptized when I was 15, and it wasn't long after that I started being schooled in the ways of, of we, the way we're supposed to do it. And, and uh, I was given a Bible, and, and I didn't know you're supposed to bring your Bible to church, you know, as a, as a young teenager. Uh, but I had a youth minister that would say, where's your Bible, Matt? And, and oh, I'm supposed to, supposed to bring it with me. I'm, I'm supposed to read it. I'm supposed to know what's in that thing. Do you remember, some of you remember the offering envelopes? We don't have these anymore, but uh, we would have different thing, different little things on the offering envelope, whether you were going to give money, whether you studied your lesson, and one of those things were whether or not you brought your Bible, you know, and you checked them, and uh, sometimes, depending on the offering envelope, I've seen different versions of them, you'd actually get a grade, like a, B, you know, an 80 or 70%, you know, and you couldn't get 100% unless you brought your Bible, I don't know how effective the grading part was, uh, but it was all to, to, to help us understand the importance of, of knowing our Bible, of knowing the main message of it. That's why we read it. That's why we've, we've encouraged our church to read through it uh, in, in a couple years. And so if you could imagine, uh, you know, the way it was in, in medieval Catholicism, you would come to church, you didn't have your Bible, you really couldn't read the Bible because it was in Latin, and if you didn't know Latin, you couldn't understand the Bible. It was, it was read by a priest. And so those were the people, the special religious people. Those were the people you depended upon to share with you what was in it, what the main message was, and, and how it applied to your life. And some of you are just kind of squirming in your seat. And you'd say, that would be horrible. I wouldn't want any part of that. And, and thankfully, through the Reformation, that's, that's not uh, the way that we do things in, in the majority, or really in, in, even in Catholicism anymore. That's, that's not uh, the way the Bible or the message of the Bible is handled. And I think for, for all of us, when we get, we get to Christmas, it's, it's sort of the, when we talk about Jesus and the manger, uh, for, for, for all of us, that's a high point. And what we understand is part of the main message of the Bible, isn't it? And for Christians, that's, that's pretty common knowledge. But I think even for people who, 
are kind of on the margins of Christian faith, who may not understand everything there is to know about it. Christmas is a time where maybe they're a little bit more understanding of that, or maybe they're a little more open to coming to a knowledge of that. And, and we celebrate that. We celebrated that this morning with, with Christmas music. And of course, all the Christmas music we have in, in, in our church service has something to do with Christ. It's, it's Christ-centered. It's, it's worship. That's why we include those things. That's why we don't sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in our church service. But there is something about even some of those more, you call them secular Christmas songs, that they just kind of capture your attention, don't they? Uh, they get in your head. They, they have a, a cheeriness, a joyfulness about them. That even people who may not understand why, there's, there's something about it. I remember in, in the 80s, I'm a child of the 80s, so forgive me. Uh, Brian Adams released this Christmas song, There's Something About Christmas. And that, those were the lyrics, and they were kind of repetitive. There's something about Christmas time that makes you wish it was Christmas every day. Well, as members of the church, we want people to know what that something is. And, and no matter how vague it might be or how hard to understand that might be, we want them to get that. And I think that's especially appropriate as we think about uh, the shepherds, who, who were these people who maybe the last people we would have thought about would have come to this understanding of, of who Jesus was and why Jesus was important. And we're going to read their story this morning in Luke chapter 2. If you haven't turned there, I invite you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse Eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I think most of us have heard this Christmas story, Christmas uh, perspective, even from the shepherds lots of different times. And, and we sort of, when you think of our nativity scenes, we mash all these elements together, don't we? And, and that's okay to think about it symbolically, right? Uh, but we also understand that the Gospels kind of have two different or several different slants about the Christmas story. And we think about Luke and you think about Matthew and the differences between the shepherds that are here in Luke and the wise men or the magi that are presented in Matthew. And the differences are so, they're so huge. The shepherds obviously were lowly. They lived nearby. They could get to the manger quickly because it was close. Whereas the magi, the magi, on the other hand, lived far away. They traveled from afar. 
we read in the book of Matthew. And, and they had a lot of money, and they presented these gifts of, of gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. During our children's program, Gabriel Pollard was standing out in the foyer, and, and he was preparing for, for practice. And uh, I, I, they were holding these boxes, and I said, Gabriel, do you have gold, frankincense, or myrrh? And he just looked at me with this down-to-earth look and said, it's just an empty box. <laughs> But we know that the real Magi, the Magi that are important to us, didn't have empty boxes. They had things that were valuable. And we contrast that with the shepherds, and, and we're, we're stunned, and we wonder, well, well, these two different Gospels, but they're the same Gospel. And I think the point in them being so different is to show us that this Gospel, this news of Christ coming into our world, is for all people, as we read. It's, it's even for the shepherds. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. In spite of how different those two accounts are, the thing they have in common is that the gospel's for all. God's good news of Christ is for all people, not just a certain group, not just a certain people that, can, that are smart, that can read the Bible really well and understand the Bible really well because they went to a, a special school for it. It's for me, it's for you, it's for everyone. And I think the shepherds are a great model of not only who... The, the message of Christmas is for, but what to do with the message of Christmas for those of us that know it and understand it and are trying to apply it every day for our lives. First thing they did, the shepherds did was they, they heard it. They heard the message. God's good news is good news first that we have to hear. If you're a Christian, you've, you've heard it because you've received it. You've accepted it. Does any of you have a, a favorite Christmas movie? I don't usually do this, but just say it. If you have a favorite Christmas movie, just say it. Someone tell me. A Wonderful Life. That's a classic, right? Uh, the, the favorite, any others? Home, Home Alone. That's, that's mine, actually. That's probably because we're generationally close. And uh, we, we have these things around Christmas, and movies are one of those things that they become special to us because initially we, we heard the story, we saw the story, if it's a movie, and, and it becomes special to us because just we're captivated by that story. I let my kids watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2 recently. And, and the thing that I've sort of thought about was the fact that not only did, as, as I'm watching that, I, I'm watching it, but I'm also watching it kind of vicariously. You know, you remember the first time? That's why we watch movies for, for uh, again, for the replay values. Because, man, the first time I watched that, I just laughed my head off. And, and I wanted my kids to watch it. And I wanted, and sure enough, they were cackling. I'd never heard them laugh so hard in my life as when the paint cans came down from the stairs. And they hit the bad guys in the head, you know, and they think, oh, we're safe now. And then another one comes down, hits the other bad guy. And it's just so funny. Of course, I knew it was coming. So I, I wasn't necessarily laughing because I was surprised by that, but my kids were experiencing it. I think that's the thing with, with the story of Christmas. We, we've known it, we've heard it, but, but we hear it again. Not because we, we need necessarily to learn something special or different about it, but because there's something about it as, as we, we read it and learn it, it points us, it points us to truth beyond ourselves. It points us to not just, hey, this is the story, but this is the truth beyond the story that's important to me and it's important to all kinds of people. And so when the angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds, the first thing they heard it say, or the first thing they, we, they hear when they hear it, the first thing they do is, is, is that they're afraid. And, and the angel says, do not be afraid, right? Same thing the angel said to Mary, same thing the angel said to Joseph. But why are the shepherds afraid? We talked about why Mary and, and Joseph were afraid. But here are these shepherds, these 
night watchmen. You might think of them as shift workers. They're used to being out at night. But I also think as shepherds, they were used to the quiet of the night. Uh, shepherds may have been rough and tumble. They may have been characters that, that could have fended off wild beasts if they needed to from the flock. But more times than not, they were people that just kind of, maybe like you think about a security guard, you know, they're there in case something happens. Most of the time, they're just there. They're not used to noise. They're not used to anything bad happening. And if something bad happens, what does a security guard do? Well, not much. They call the police, right? <laughs> These lowly shepherds really couldn't. When it came down to it, they couldn't do much except make a bunch of noise. You know, the little boy that cried wolf, that was a shepherd. That's, that's what he did. You told everyone, we need some help. And all of a sudden, the Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared in verse 10. And the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds. And they heard it say, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for some of the people. All the people. I bring you great news of great joy that will be for all the people. And what better people, I think, to understand this and get this than, than shepherds, than security guards, than people who really were working land that didn't even belong to them. The heroes of the shepherds' faith, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, those were the people that saw angels. Those were the people that had direct encounters with God. They probably didn't even believe it themselves. So yeah, they were afraid. And here's this angel of God in their presence telling them about the birth of Jesus. And it's not until you really get to what the angels say that you understand even more fully and completely why, why the shepherds? When he says in verse 11, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. They knew probably better than most people that they needed a Savior. And we know that we needed a Savior if we've come to know Christ as our Lord. And so we know that, that the person that is our best friend in the whole entire world needs that same thing, don't we? But it's also easy to forget that the person that we can't stand being in the room more than 20 seconds with also needs that same thing. And your children need it and your grandchildren need it. But then so do their friends who you might think are bad influences. It's not about, you know, when it, when it comes, the, the difference between the good news of Christmas and, and our favorite movie or our favorite book is it's not just about nostalgia. It's not just about re-experiencing this story. It's about taking this story and, and, and recognizing that the truth in it transcends just learning about a story. It, it's a truth that transcends and affects our life and should potentially affect anyone's life that hears it as well. And that's why you're here this morning. You know, you know the story. Probably not much of, or anything that I've said has been all that new to you this morning. But you, you're here because you know you need to hear the story because it's through hearing the story and telling the story over and over and over that Christmas really has become what it is to us, hasn't it? What it is to Christianity as a whole. And the more you hear it, the more others just might see it in you. And so God's good news for the shepherds, they heard it. It's something for us to hear, but then it's also for some, something for people to see. We hear it, but then also hopefully people see it in us as we hear it and allow it to shape us. I remember when I took my, my driver's ed test, and I, was, I didn't wear glasses until I was 15, but I needed them much earlier. I remember sitting in math class, and Terry, I thought it was just that I hated math, 
which I, I probably did, but I, I thought it was just I was horrible at it. I'd sit at the very front, and it gave me a headache. Well, come to find out, it was because I couldn't really see the numbers all that well. And once I got glasses, I went from making a, a low C to a high C and then a B, and I never got much past that. But I, I became average at it. When I finally had glasses, I could finally see. And I remember looking into that little thing that the, the driver's ed uh, people give you. I don't know what it's called. And, and you have, they, they say, read the lowest line that you can see. And I said, what if I can't see any of the lines? And, and the lady said, well, do you wear glasses? And I said, no. She said, do you want to drive? I said, yes. She said, you're going to have to wear glasses. And so I went to the optometrist, made an appointment. And, and you know, for, for so many of you that have worn glasses for so long, we forget what it was like to put on those glasses for that first moment. But I remember because it was so much later in life for me. And, and I, didn't, I didn't realize just how bad my vision was until I put those glasses on. And all of a sudden, the leaves on the trees, I, I could see lines in them. I didn't know that was there. I could see, you know, different shades of textures that, that I just had no idea, you know, from, from standing far away, I had no idea what it looked like. And I didn't realize just how much I needed those glasses until I saw the difference that they made. Likewise, it wasn't enough for the shepherds to hear about Jesus. They had to go and see, they had to see the difference of, of this news that the angel told them about. And so verse 16 tells us they went with haste. That means they hurried. They went as fast as they could. You know, typically when we think of a manger, we have the shepherds, and we, when we did the Christmas program, we, even we had the, the manger, we had little wooden sheep. We think of animals standing around it. But for shepherds to go in haste, for them to hurry to the manger, more than likely they didn't bring any sheep with them. Much less one or two. Why are you just, just going to... You ever thought about that? The shepherds are, are going to go off to the manger. And I think I'll just take one sheep from my flock. Just one. Probably left them all behind. Left their livelihood. Left their job to go and, and, and see this baby they were told about because they, they wanted to know. They, they'd heard this news. They needed to see the difference that it was going to make. And so they finally arrive and... And we imagine they arrived and, and they were amazed to see this baby. You know, the sign was supposed to be there's going to be a baby and he's going to be in a manger and in a, in a, a feed trough, you know. And, and, well, of course, that was not an everyday thing to see. So when they saw that, they knew, hey, this, this is it. And, and perhaps they began to, to think in their mind, like, well, what are the implications of this? This baby came to, to be our Savior, to save us for our sins. And that had to be overwhelming. We also need to be clear that the manger itself, we often, we often romanticize the manger, don't we? We think of the star above it, and, 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 and maybe as if this manger just was, was drawing people to it. It had some kind of magical powers to it. But I'm not so sure for the shepherds it was the manger itself as much as this message they received from the angels and went to go see the manger. And, and seeing was, was confirming to them. Seeing what they were told about was was the thing that made the difference. Of course, we live in a little bit different situation. We can't go and see Jesus, can we? We've been told about Jesus. Most of us have received Jesus. But how do we see Jesus? For me, I was, I was 15, and, and I remember seeing these, these people, this, these teenagers in a youth group that, that acted differently than other people that I was invited to go and be around. And, and for me, that was seeing Jesus. Maybe it's for you. Maybe you had a Christian family member or a parent or a friend. And, 
And for you, that was seeing Jesus. And so we live in a world where we're judged by not just what we say, but what we do. And, and a large part of helping others see Jesus, I think, has to do with how we treat the shepherds of our lives, the shepherds of our society, the construction workers, the security guards, the convenience store workers. Because they need to see and they need to hear that message just as much as anybody else. And it's only when God's good news is heard and seen that really it can be told. And that's ultimately what we know these shepherds did, didn't they? They went out and, then, and they told. Telling the good news or, or sharing the gospel or evangelizing, whatever word you want to use for that, that's kind of innate in just in the Christmas story, isn't it? We were talking about Christmas music a minute ago. And when you go out to the stores, the stores, well, the stores want you to buy stuff, right? That's their goal. And so they'll play Christmas music, usually not the Christmas music. Every once in a while, you'll hear a classic like Oh Holy Night or something at the mall or in Walmart that, that we associate with Christmas. But most of the time, it's the Frosty the Snowman and the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, and that's fine. They want you to be cheery. They want you to be happy. They want you to buy stuff. And, and that's their motivation. But I read, I read some words by a psychologist named Linda Blair that had, had studied the way Christmas music affected not only shoppers, but affected employees at Christmas time. And, and they found that when a store is playing Christmas music over the intercom, that employees are actually less productive. And, and she hypothesizes that it's because the, the message is so catchy, uh, it reminds them of, of so many wonderful things at Christmas that, that they have to work hard to tune out what the shoppers are experiencing. For, for the reason that the store plays those, those, those songs to make the shoppers happy, it's actually counterproductive for the employees because, because they just want to kind of relish in that sweet, joyous moment with, with the shoppers. And they have, to, they have to focus hard on not hearing what everybody else is hearing. And, and it seems to me that, that as these shepherds received this news, that you might have had to focus really hard not to hear about what they'd experienced and what they'd seen because it made that much of a difference for them. After the shepherds heard and saw, they couldn't help but tell. And the first people they tell are, are Mary and Joseph, aren't they? But that's not the only people that they told around the manger. And, and we don't know who it was, but verse 18 says, All who heard it, all who heard what the shepherds said, were amazed. All who heard it. Who, who heard it? I don't know. Maybe there were people who saw a baby in a feeding trough and thought that was pretty crazy, and so they were just looking. Maybe it was other poor people. I would guess it would be other poor people. Maybe there wasn't room for them at the inn as well, and so they were staying with the animals, and they just happened to be there. The shepherds told them all, and they were all amazed. And they told them not out of obligation, not because they were trying to check their little mark off on their offering envelope, not out of drudgery, but because they just couldn't help but tell what they had seen and what they had heard. And throughout all this, verse 19 says, Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. What things? Not, not just the shepherds, not just the manger, and not just the angel that appeared to her, but, but I think this whole message that was, that was shared with her by the angel even before she was pregnant, and now the message she was receiving from the shepherd. This gospel message that Christ had come and that he had come to save his people from their sin. If, if the shepherds can be thought about as the first evangelists, 
then maybe Mary can be thought about as the first person that really heard the gospel. I mean, she heard it before it was even presented, before it was even possible to believe, before Jesus had even been born. And so the shepherds left in verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and they'd heard. And perhaps it left Mary pondering, well, who else needs to hear this? Perhaps it left her pondering. I think that's what she was pondering was this message, but, but who else might come and see it? Who else? Maybe should I tell about it? I, I, don't, I don't know. But if the baby was for the shepherds, I think Mary had to know that this, this baby was for everybody. There's a quote that's attributed to St. Augustine that reads something like, Preach the gospel and use words if necessary. All of us introverts like that quote, don't we? So we think, oh, we can just share the gospel and we don't really have to do much. We just be a good example. Preach the gospel and use words if necessary. And I like that quote, but I think there always comes a time at some point where words are necessary. For some of you, maybe the most important people that those words are necessary for might be your children or, or your grandchildren. And the good news is sharing the story with them is just super easy. I mean, take a quarter of the time that you spend on Santa and Elf on the Shelf and any other holiday thing that you have going on and just, just read a children's Bible to them for three minutes before you go to bed. And that makes a huge impact. For some of you, it... it, it Sharing that might just mean it might just mean sharing what you've seen and heard yourself at Christmas. Not just the home alones and, and that, those kind of things, but when you think about what at Christmas, I mean, there was a moment for me that, where I remember watching this Christmas musical at my home church where, where really the, the meaning of Christmas just sort of hit me. I'd already become a Christian, but, but what Christmas actually meant just kind of made sense to me in that moment. And it was just because I was watching this little homely Christmas play. It's just sharing what you've seen and what you've heard that's made the difference in your life. It doesn't mean you're a religious fanatic. It doesn't mean you have to come across and have you know, A, B, C, and D and share the Roman road. But, but what have you seen and what have you heard that has convinced you that Christmas is more than just Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? There's people in our lives and... They may play a big or a small role, but they, they need to. And I think they're open to hearing those things this time of year. And so I encourage you, ask yourself this morning. Ponder, maybe, like Mary did, how you can share what you've seen and what you've heard about Christmas with people that might help them to see and to hear the good news and maybe even tell as well. That's my challenge this morning. I hope uh, my challenge.